we take up our Bibles together again this morning and return to our study in the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. This morning, if you would follow along as I begin reading in verse 35. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Let's bow in prayer, shall we? <clears throat> o Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. For you, our God, are high and lifted up. You are God, and then there is none besides you. And you are the God who shares his glory with no other, and yet employs your creatures to glorify you. And in that, we find the highest pleasure. Bless us, Lord, now from your height, from your majesty, as you look down on our weakness, on our human frailty, and make us stronger. Give us courage. Let us persevere with endurance in the faith, the promises which you have guaranteed. We pray your help that this message washes from your word across our souls. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. No one is brave all the time. No one is brave all the time. Some one of you who just heard that may be doubting that. You may have not yet come to the end of your bravery. But you will. God is faithful. Some of you by nature are timid. Don't like even the word fight or endure. There's a spectrum from timidity all the way to bravery, personality-wise. Some of it can be pride on either side. What I teach today is neither, for it is indeed the Word of God. It's a reminder that no one is brave all the time, and even the bravest of all will have their courage fail. How to illustrate this? I realized during the week that God had been giving me illustrations in the world of horses and horse trainers. I have a little yearling filly. Ah, oh, she's pretty. Her mom's name is 
sugar and spice, and her name is Little Brown Sugar. And little Brown Sugar is a scaredy cat. She's timid. Annoyingly so. She's frightened, easily. We've been working together for some months now, and God has been, I think, teaching me through her about me and him. I do not like to think of myself as timid. Perhaps you've never used that word in describing me. It's not usually what I get. But I can be a scaredy cat. The Lord has shown me. So how do we build confidence? How do we build confidence in that little frightened filly who by nature doesn't want to be touched, by nature is afraid of being caught, by nature overreacts to all forms of pressure, moving too fast, too far, too afraid, and loses control. How do we bring her to have confidence in the one who is training her? By slowly, ever so gradually, one little piece and portion at a time, giving her just enough to make her be a little more brave than last time. See, she by nature needs to draw her courage from her leader. She doesn't have it in herself. Her bravery is developed and fed upon the confidence of the one who is leading her. So, my little fillies and colts, today... We're going into the round pen of life, the corral of training to build your confidence in the promises of God, if you will, in the one who leads you. Many of us need to build our confidence in the promises of God. That is true. And we need to develop endurance to last the distance of this Christian struggle. For surely we are in a Christian struggle. Today we will learn how to build that confidence as the writer of Hebrews lays out four specific mindsets, four specific mindsets that we must develop in order to build our confidence in the promises of God. <clears throat> Just like little brown sugar, here we go. The first mindset that we must have to become brave or to build our confidence in the promises of God is this. The first mindset is resolve to remember your reward. Resolve to remember your reward. Look at verse 35. Hebrews 10, verse 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. So 
Some very strong words here in the Greek. Do not cast away. First, a, a prohibition, a negative. Don't. If we were talking to little brown sugar, we'd say, don't freak out. Don't overreact. Don't cast away, it says in the English. It also can be defined as this. It has a direct reference to clothing. It's very interesting. To throw out clothes. You've heard of the cast-offs? Those things that are no longer seen as good enough to be worn, and they're cast aside. Sometimes some of you men need your wives to look at you directly in the eye, hold up that T-shirt that you've worn now so many times. You can read the newspaper through it and say, Honey, I'm throwing this out. It's no longer worth wearing. It's not good. So it's of clothes to throw them out, that which is seen as useless, having no more wear left in it. But it's also specific to the realm of courage and bravery. And it can mean directly to lose your courage. So literally, it's of a garment that we take off or throw to the side, or of losing or rejecting a quality or state because we see it as unnecessary. I take you to where this word is used in the Gospel of Mark, just as uh, a parallel to the use of the word, not as a parallel in the context of Hebrews 10, but I'll show you some things that we can pick up from it. Jesus, walking the face of the earth in his ministry, and as he walks with a crowd around him, and even Pharisees and scribes marching along to be the critics of all that he does, a blind man cries out, Son of David, Son of David, have mercy on me. And in verse 48 of Mark 10, that we pick up the reading, then many warned him to be, to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling you. Verse 50, and throwing aside his garment and casting away his clothing, the blind man, blind man probably only had this one cloak, this one garment that he used. He was blind and caring not for the garment, he threw it aside, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. You see, he threw aside that which was no longer necessary to him in the important things of life. In comparison to seeing Jesus, the son of David, and asking him to remove his blindness, his clothes no longer mattered to him at all. They become unimportant. And he found in drawing near to Jesus that all of his fears of life were taken away in a moment. What clothes? Where did you leave them? I don't know. As a boy in grade school, 
I had a problem with jackets. <laughs> I would go to school and forget my jacket. I would throw it aside. I would cast it off while we're playing on the playground. Soon I would become hot and the games and the fun and the exuberance were so important to me that the jacket was left behind and I would show up back at home and my mom would say to me, where's your jacket? And of course, by then, I'd remember that I'd left it behind. There was something in my life more important to it than a jacket, but a jacket is necessary. And sometimes in the Christian life, we can treat the promises of God that way or the confidence that we need to have in his promises and in him as our leader, and we can throw it aside because of all the fun that we're having on the playground of life. And then when it's cold, oh no, where's my jacket? Oh, I threw that aside. It is as practical as that that the writer of Hebrews is referring to our bravery in the Lord, our confidence in what he has told us, not to throw it aside as though it's unimportant, but to keep it near and dear at all times. Don't cast away your confidence. Your boldness, if you will, is another way of describing this word. Your bravery many cases when this is used in the text of scriptures, it implies an intimidating circumstance in which one needs boldness or courage to go forward, even the approaching of God. I mean, we would like to believe that we feel welcome before God, wouldn't we? Or don't we? Then why don't we go? Back to little brown sugar and me. When there's no ropes and no halter on little brown sugar, she would come straight up. One of the first ones that would come up as a colt. She wanted attention. But as soon as you touched her, she'd whirl and run away. So her drawing near wasn't a drawing near of confidence. She wanted the attention, but she was afraid to get attention. Afraid to be touched by the master, if you will. It's the same way we are with the Lord. We know that he is so mighty, that he is so powerful, that he's so much higher than we are. We feel our inadequacies. We feel our limits. We feel a distancing from him. He says, come unto me, all that ye labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. And even in Hebrews, the call again and again, come, enter my rest. Don't run away. Don't cast off your confidence in me like you did in the wilderness, you Hebrews. Come unto me. And so he has sent a great high priest, a leader, to lead us to Christ, but we have to let us lead him his way. For it is in Hebrews 4, 16, and we read this and we quote this, but if we really put it in the framework of life, we're afraid to do this. Let us come boldly before the throne of grace, it says. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted, just as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us come boldly before the throne of grace, that we might find mercy and grace for help in time of need. That's exactly what I was telling little brown sugar. 
When you come near me, you'll have rest. When you let me touch you, when you let me work you, when you let me teach you the way of being a horse, of being trained, I will give you rest. But if you cast it aside, I'm going to make your life harder. If you don't respond to my pressure well, I'm going to give you more pressure. And I'm training little brown sugar as soon as she responds to the pressure by relaxing or doing what I ask, I release the pressure. She remembers the last thing that happened. The pressure was released, and I get to rest easy. Christians, we need to start thinking like little brown sugar. When God pushes on us and gives us something to do, as soon as he, we do it, the pressure is off. It builds our confidence. And so that we look at his pressures as important. We look at being close to him as necessary to build us and to grow us. We need to have confidence that he has got our best interests at heart in the training of us. Hebrews 3, 6, similar to our text here. So it's been building from chapter 3. The writer said, But Christ as our son, as a son, excuse me, over the his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Just because there's more pressure in your life doesn't mean you cast aside your confidence. You hold on more dearly, just Give in to the Lord's pressure. Do what he said. Believe what he said. In Hebrews 3 and further down in that chapter, look now at verse 14. For we have become partakers of Christ. Listen, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. What was it that our text said in Hebrews 10, 35? Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has what? Great Reward. What's the reward? Entering his rest. Being with him. Drawing near. Approach. Living with the God who created us the way we were intended to be living. But you're going to be afraid. You're not going to want him to touch you. You're not going to want him to push on you certain times. So you need to remember the reward. Remember there's a reward at the end. And so that's why I always release the pressure immediately upon obedience because the first reward is rest. No more pressure. See, when God's pressuring you, we're just like that little horse. Actually, the parallel isn't even that close. Between me and the horse is a distance of being made in God's image, being given dominion over the earth, and even over these horses, yet in the comparison between me and God, it is infinitesimally greater. He is so much higher than me that I am closer to little brown sugar than I am to God. Two creatures rather than a creature and his creator but to trust that he rewards 
every single time. We need to believe it. A reward or a recompense is what we have here. This word reward can go either way depending on the context. The context. Do not cast away your confidence. Your confidence in who? God. Your confidence in what? The promises of God, the person of God, which has great reward beginning with rest. But there's a negative side to that. If you don't accept that from God, if you don't believe, if you cast it away, your reward becomes recompense, which is to be paid the price of the penalty. You see, there's two rewards, as one old commentator said. There are two rewards are possible, both eternal. One is a reward. The other, the recompense for casting him aside. Let's remind ourselves of the reward. We're going to study in not too many weeks the faith chapter. By the way, we should call Hebrews the faith book. We should never extract Hebrews chapter 11 from the middle of this book, by the way, near the end of this book, for you have no context for it. But once you've studied the book, now you can go to chapter 11 and you'll read of Moses. Moses made a prince of, of Egypt, though he was a Hebrew. And it says in verse 25 of chapter 11 in Hebrews that Moses, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than, listen, to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Verse 26, the record goes on, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. He valued more to be associated with the people of God and God himself than the wealth, than the robes of his status as a prince of Egypt. He cast those aside. He didn't cast his confidence in God aside, though he would suffer his whole life for doing it. And I don't just mean in Egypt. He suffered leading the children of Israel who kept casting their confidence aside. They were a pain. Let me give you now an example of recompense. Moses looked to the reward, but look at Hebrews chapter 2 in our previous study, verse 2. In this warning passage, we're reminded, for if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast, in other words, worthy of putting your confidence in it, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward or recompense, you can say, as that word can be used both ways, in this case, received a just recompense, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? We need to trust our leader. To little brown sugar, I'm saying, come here. Have rest. Do what I tell you. You will have more skills, you'll be of more use, and you'll have a greater relationship with me Come to me. You see, Jesus spoke of reward and reward in him many times in his ministry. Let me give you a little 
a way of instilling hope in his disciples, a way of calling on them to trust in his leadership and to lean on his confidence. Remember I told you that little brown sugar had to get confidence from me. We have to get our confidence from Christ. If you think you're brave and you can stand, let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. The brave at some point run. Peter did. Are you greater than him? Moses did. Are you greater than him? Abraham did. Isaac did. David did. They all did. Yet we're going to find them in the faith chapter. We're going to find them in the faith chapter. So what did they learn? To lean on his bravery. Matthew 5, the master speaks to the scaredy cat. Matthew 5, 11. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Pressure. Remember, it's for his sake. The reason you're getting it is because you belong to him. But God is allowing it to train you. Rejoice! Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Why? For great is your what? Am I here alone, little colts? Brown sugar can't talk. You can. For great is your what? If you can't even say it, you don't believe it. If you don't talk about it, you don't believe it. You don't live on it. When's the last time you told someone you believed you had a reward in heaven waiting for you? Because you got persecuted falsely for the name of Christ. Woohoo! Sign me up. See, this is real church. This is real Christianity. This is real submission to the leader to follow him where he goes, though it's a frightening situation. Again, in Matthew chapter 10, we hear the master, verse 32, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men. You want something scary? Confess Jesus before men. How many of you have chickened out? I'm not going to ask for hands. I'm just going to say it out loud. We, including me, all have. May I now have an amen? Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. We confess him. We don't deny him. You may have failed to confess him, but you haven't denied him. Or if you have, well, send me a letter. I'm going to come on visit. I might have to bring my halter and my lead rope. Skipping down in Matthew 10 to verse 42. Jesus said, and whoever gives one of these little ones 
Only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple. Assuredly, I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Those who give, those who serve, those who name the disciples of Jesus, those who follow after their like kind, they have confidence in Christ. We need to make Christ's confidence ours. In Luke chapter 14, I give you this as another example. When you give a feast, he says, invite the poor. Rather than inviting those you know who will pay you back, he says, but when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you shall, listen, be repaid in the resurrection of the just. In Christianity, we learn from God that we did not come to be served, but to serve. That little horse, little sugar, is put on this earth to serve her owner, which happens to be me. And if she doesn't learn to do that, she just burns hay and is a danger to herself and to everyone else she's around until she learns how she fits in to this world. And we got to learn that too. We're not designed to run on our own. We need to resolve to remember our reward. Some of you might be asking, well, I'm like, you know, what am I remembering? And again, you know, you said rest, okay, rest, okay. Wow. Uh, where was it? Verse 34. We finished last week here. Hebrews chapter 10. The writer says, For you had compassion on me and my chains, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. You know, that's a little bit of pressure in training. Give it all up. Joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. And there's more to come next week. We have a reward. We have an inheritance in heaven. I need to move on. The second mindset. The first mindset, remembering the reward. The second mindset, to grow brave, to gain courage, the promises of God, is to progress in patience for the promise. To progress in patience for the promise. This has to be a life-building, a confidence-building exercise for us that's in our mind. There seems to be all of these advertisements that I at least see here about these new things that you can do wherein you can become stronger in your physical self if you buy this bicycle or this treadmill that has a screen on it that's then attached to somebody out there who pretends they're leading you on a bicycle ride or on a run through something. To progress. And you got to stick with it. And they encourage you along the way, come on, you can do it. Five more miles. I mean, they taped this three weeks ago. You're pedaling alone, but people do it. We have a real God. 
And we need to recognize the first place to progress in patience. Recognize your need of patience and of endurance. Endurance. Patience is endurance and endurance is patience. Let me read the text. For you have need of endurance. So if the Bible says you have need of endurance, then let me just share something with you and it's going to be profound. You ready? Then you need endurance. The Bible says it. It's true. There's not one of you here who can say, oh no, I've got all the patience in the world. I got the patience of Job. I'm done having any trouble. I'm an endurer. Oh yeah, baby. Wrong. You have need of more endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. So first we need to have a mindset that is progressing in patience toward the promise, recognizing that we have need for more patience, i.e. more endurance. Patience is endurance, and endurance is patience. It's an interchangeable English word for one Greek. I ask you, how many ways are you waiting patiently? There's some of you in this room, it's summertime, the gardens are growing, you planted it sometime this year, and now what are you doing? You're waiting. And what else are you doing? You're weeding. And what else are you doing? Watering. Oh, you might need to eventually. We've had so much rain, you probably haven't had to do much of that. But you're still waiting. There's not a tomato one on your counter. There's no potatoes. There's no corn. There might be some lettuce by now. But mostly, you're still waiting. And when you plant, you plant with a hope. With a promise. Why are you going through all this work? So that in the end, you will receive from this the produce. And then you can show people, like, bring the extra to church. Look at that. Take what you want. We've got so many zucchini. I put 10 of them in your car. It's here. Some of you are waiting for that to take place. But how many are you waiting for a child to grow up? How many of you are waiting for a child to grow up that's now an adult and still needs to progress in patience for the promise? How many of you are enduring pain, the worries of life, the consequences of past actions, enduring poverty, enduring injustice, or perhaps unfulfilled hopes. You have need of patience. You have need of patience. The Psalms are such a wonderful place to go to be reminded of the blessing of learning patience. Psalm 37, verse 7 Here's progression. Listen, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. When little brown sugar loses it, she first lost it on the end of a lariat. Up in the air, she jumped and flung herself from side to side 
And then she rose up so much that when I gave it a little tug, she fell flat on her side. All of that could have injured her. And as soon as she stopped, I let go of the pressure. And as soon as she looks at me, I let go of the pressure. Why fret? It only causes harm. In Luke chapter 8, many of us are familiar with the parable of the sower and the seeds. But are we in remembrance in the way in which it fills our commentary on what we're looking at today about the seed that fell on the good ground? On the seed that fell on the good ground in relation to patience, listen to this. Luke 8 verse 15. But the ones that fell, the seeds that fell on the good ground, listen, are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it, now notice, and bear fruit with patience, enduring. How do you know you're in? How do you know the seed fell on good ground in your heart? You are still patiently enduring and bearing fruit. Keep going. You see, God is going to increase the pressure in your life to grow you to another level. I want to tell you what is the most frightening implement in the life of a horse. It is the dreaded, terrifying, living creature called the blue tarp. The crinkly plastic blue tarp. The floating, flying, stinging, killing blue tarp. That's what the little horse is sure exists in the blue tarp. And this last week, little brown sugar is afraid of her own shadow and mine stood still while the blue tarp flew in the air, was whirled by one side, whirled by another side, thrown up on her back, and her whole body shivered, but she stayed in place. She was trusting me. After weeks and months, she was trusting me with the scary tarp and letting it touch her at every point, but she got to stand still, and I praised her, and I praised her, and I praised her, and she was at rest. Galatians 6, 9, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season you shall reap if we do not Lose heart. Recognize your need for patience. And then you go into the doing of God's will. Patience involves doing God's will. Do you think patience was just standing there and doing nothing? I can tell you brown sugar knew she was doing something when she wasn't running. We have to realize that one of the first things we do to be in God's will is not run from him. But to stay near, no matter what's happening to us in our lives, he will get us through. And you might ask yourself, why is there always so much to learn? 
Why is there always so much to learn about myself in this life? I have asked this question. Can I be done now? I know Little Brown Sugar has asked that question. Because every lesson there's some new little thing. Some new little challenge to go through. And it's amazing if it's hard the first time, the second or third time, now it doesn't bother her at all. So Christian, stand still the first time. Matthew 12. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. This comes in the context of Jesus' mom, Mary, and his brothers and sisters standing outside this crowded area where he was and wanting him to come out to them. And he answers in this way. Who is my father? Who is my mother and my brother and my sisters? This is who they are. Those who do the will of my father. Those who stay near to him and do what he says are in league with me, are on my team, are part of my family. Even Paul, when he was preaching in the synagogue of Antioch in Pisidia, he said this in his sermon. He's recounting to the Hebrews their history. And in verse 22 of Acts 13, he says, And when he had removed him, he being God, he raised up for them David as king. Now zero in here. To whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. The end of this sermon about David, Acts 13, skipping down to verse 36. Paul then concludes about David in this way, for David, after he had served his own generation, by the will of God, fell asleep. You need endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. After. Can I say that again? After. Maybe I need to say that again. After. Doing the will of God, you have proved patience, you have endured, and like David, you will be gathered to your fathers. You will be gathered to the Lord. You will enter that final rest. This is how the book of Hebrews will end with a prayer very close to the final words. In Hebrews 13, it will say, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete, listen, in every good work to do his will. Working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Patience is... Patience is enduring, and enduring is patience. Because this anticipation has to be part of it. We do the will in anticipation of receiving the promise. You know, there are, there, there are those who anticipate winning the lottery. You know some people like that? Maybe it's you. 
winning the lottery. I thought about looking up the odds, but the odds are so astronomical, it's unbelievable. Yet people will take money they've earned and throw it after that, and every time when you talk to them, they think they're going to win. They're sure. I'm going to win this time. I've been playing the same numbers for the last 27 years, and this day's my day. Guess what? Probably not. And if it does, then you're really going to be in a test with the Lord and with money. Be thankful God doesn't give you what you can't handle. But it's amazing that they look forward to it like it's a promise, that it's going to happen. And yet we have a promise. Without fail, it will come to be, and we doubt it. You know, it's amazing. Those people who just tell you that, yeah, I got my, I got my tickets. You know what it's up to now? It's getting close to a billion dollars. <laughs> and they're excited. And they tell people. And then when it fails again, nobody says anything like, hey, where's the Corvette, baby? And they do it again. And where are we as Christians? We don't even tell anybody. Yeah, we've got a, a, a promise in heaven. Enduring. Doesn't fade. Can't be taken away. Moth and rust can't destroy. Woohoo! I'm rich, baby. In Christ. We anticipate the promise. Matthew 10, 21. Now brother will deliver up brother to death. And a father, his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. That's how you get through it. That's how you endure. This seems bad, but it's not that bad. Christ's already done it. Romans 15, Paul echoes the same type of idea. For whatever things were written before were written for our teaching, our learning, that we should, through the patience and comfort of the Scripture might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. Endure to the end. Number three. The third mindset is fervently follow by faith. Fervently follow by faith and you will be built up in your confidence. Verse 37. For yet a little while and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. So the first part of this mindset is knowing that our following is of a short duration. When we follow by faith, it's actually not for a very long time. For yet a little while. The best translation of this I found in the commentator Olensky. He translated it this way, more accurately with the Greek. It should read, he says, a little how very, very little. For yet a little while, for a, a little, how very, very little while. And he who is coming will come and will not tarry. You know, that's a problem for us in our age. When this was written, first century, after Jesus, we're now... 2,000 years plus 
So how little is a little while, eh? How much is that? See, everything in our human life seems long, doesn't it? Especially if it's tough. I can tell you when that blue tarp was swinging, it was a long time in little brown sugar's mind while that thing was touching her and flowing around her. But once it was over, she realized, well, it wasn't that long a time at all. And if she didn't, I'm just going to say that because it fits with my sermon. But you are cognizant enough and of reasonable spirit enough to realize now and the things that you've gone through that the Lord has put you through that they didn't last as long as you thought they were going to last in the beginning. Am I right or am I wrong? I'm going to take that for an I'm right. Isaiah 26, even the punishments that will come upon even the evil ones in the world the people of Israel are taught by Isaiah that it's only for a short period of time. Isaiah 26, come my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation is past. For the, behold, the Lord comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquities. The earth will also disclose her blood and will no more cover her slain. It's just for a little while, even in the punishments. Peter gives us this great ray of hope in the midst of the time in which we spend waiting. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8, he says, But beloved, do not forget this one thing. Okay, what's one thing you shouldn't forget? This one thing. That with the Lord, one day is as what? A thousand years. Don't forget this one thing. That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years at one day. So, so far, since Christ ascended into heaven, we've had two days plus a couple seconds. Two days. We haven't been waiting that long, yet a little while, and he who is coming will come. Revelation 22, 20. He who testifies to these things says, and this is at the end of the book. He who testifies to these things says, quote, surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come. Lord Jesus, we follow fervently by faith, knowing that it's just for a little while of short duration. Our mindset must also be knowing that true faith does not draw back. Verse 37, for let a, yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and not tarry. But listen to this. But now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Broke horses stay where they're put. They do what they're told. Broke Christians stay where they're put. They do what they're told by faith, knowing that God's plan is a good one and there's a reward at the end and it's not that long. 
As Paul said in Romans 1, verse 16, he said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. He had every reason to be ashamed of the gospel. Every reason to say, this job that God put me to stinks. I had more status, more friends, more money, more prestige before conversion than I do now after. Now, I've got no place to go. No one wants me there. He's been thrown out of the best cities in all of eastern Greece and his own people want him dead. And they'll get their wish. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For it is the righteousness of God, for it, excuse me, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed, listen, from faith to faith. You ever stumble over that part of Scripture? For in it, the righteousness of God, in the gospel, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So it's like, I believe, then I believe, then I believe. Is that what he's saying? It's not so empty as just believing to believe's sake. It is the blood, the the righteous of God, the just of God, live by faith in the truth of the gospel promise. Jesus Christ was sent by God to the world to die in the place of man that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It's the power of salvation. And somehow through that gospel, you believe. And to faith you keep believing. And to faith you keep believing on the next test and the next test and the next test all the way up to the blue tarp. And guess what? I haven't even climbed on her back yet. She's too young. God's never going to give you more than you can handle. I don't give her a rider until she's two. She's come a long way, baby. James, therefore be patient, brethren, till the coming of the Lord. See how the former waits for the precious, the farmer, excuse, waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Number four. The fourth mindset we must develop to build our confidence. We need to identify with the indomitable who endure. I was trying to do all eyes, and I couldn't do it. So there's an E at the end. Identify with the indomitable spirit. In those who are incapable. Indomitable means to be incapable of being subdued. I told you everyone who is brave at some time runs will play the coward. But guess what? They come back for the next battle. Did you run last time? Yep, I ran. Did you? Yeah. I know, that was a bad one, wasn't it? Yep. Why are you back here? Because I believe. I believe. Jesus wins. 
is coming back. He's mine. And it's easier to fight for him than to run with the world. Psalm 44, 17 echoes this idea. All this has come upon us. All this has come upon us. But we have not forgotten you. Nor have we dealt falsely with your covenant. Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. Continue to endure. The mindset of the unconquered have been conquered by Christ. We've been trained by him. We've been led by him. We trust him to lead us back in. Proverbs chapter 1, all about wisdom. Verse 32. For the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacencies of the fools will destroy them. To parallel that with our text, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But the hope, Proverbs 133, but whoever listens to me will dwell safely and be secure, listen, without fear of evil. Proverbs says of the backslider, the backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways. Listen to this, but the good man will be satisfied. Verse 39 says, We are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. We are not those. The ones who draw back, that's not us. We stay where we're put. We come back when we're called. Even if we freaked out a time or two, we come back and we learn not to freak out again. It wasn't that bad. But there will be bad in the church as we go forward, as the days draw close. Paul said to the Thessalonians, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. There will be those who draw back. There will be those who no longer believe. There will be those who jump the fence, run out into the pasture, and try to live the natural life. But we horses, I mean, we people, were made to be led by God. To be ridden by Him in unity, in harmony. We are of those who believe to the saving of the soul. John said in 1 John, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith. Not our, your faith in you and your ability to have faith. No, our faith put strongly in the one who is leading us, Jesus Christ, our master. When he pulls the lead line, we come to him. When he says run, we run. When he says stop, we enter his rest.
For whoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Who else do you want to lead you? Who else can you trust? No one. You can't even trust you. But you can trust the Son of God, Jesus. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. There's a song about that, Dan. Let me close. That doesn't mean close your Bibles. That means listen more carefully. Let me read you a couple of verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Does that make a little more sense when you think of yourself like little brown sugar? You believe that what he's doing with you and to you and training you, it's good. Because he saved you. He took you out of that wild horse herd and brought you in and is feeding you and is grooming you and is praising you and is teaching you, and he's preparing you for your reward in heaven. Whoever believes in him, you got to believe the content, not in belief, will not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son in the world to condemn the world. Do you believe that? God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We are of those who believe to the saving of the soul because faith is the victory that overcomes our scaredy cat life. Bravely. That's faith. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for giving us creatures that you have put under our care and dominion that we might take care of them, that we might teach them, that we might use them in our lives in harmony as you created them to be used. May we, Lord, who are created for your use to do your will and we're recreated in Christ Jesus unto good works that we should walk in them. Lord, may we do them by faith, knowing our reward is as real as you are, and that you are coming soon, and that this life is so short. Let us be the just who live by faith. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen.